I'm 50 years old. <laughs> and when I was a youngin, we didn't, we didn't have the language that we have today to express identities. As a child, I would call myself a girl boy or a boy girl. Like, it's so wonderful to have this word non-binary now. <laughs> it's the TMI Project Podcast. A series of stories about the too much information parts of ourselves we usually leave out because we're too ashamed or embarrassed. This is season four, Pride Stories. Pride Stories. You're Julie Novak. You're a lesbian. And you're Blake File, and you're a gay. That is correct. This season, we're going to profile some of the most incredible LGBTQIA storytellers and follow their narratives right up until the moment they walk on stage and read their monologues live in front of an audience. Before we get started, just want to let you know that as the TMI implies, some of this content might be too much information for some listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling, there is always help 24-7 at thetrevorproject.org. And remember, your support keeps our content free and accessible to everyone who wants to listen, gay or otherwise. So if you like what you hear and you're able to chip in, thank you. You can do so at tmiproject.org, where you can also find some fabulous merch. Yes, speaking of which, this season is brought to you by Mr. Julie Tees. And you guessed it, I'm Mr. Julie, your co-host and the designer of custom queer AF t-shirts. Don't just say gay. Scream it out loud with Mr. Julie Tees. A portion of our proceeds from all t-shirt sales will be donated to TMI Project to keep the creation and amplification of queer stories alive. Follow me on Instagram at Mr. Julie Tees and shop your favorite styles at MrJulieTees.com. Now, let's dive in. This is the season finale. It's the end. It's the end. Well, it's or not, is it a beginning? It's kind this of the beginning. the beginning. You know, we launched this in June, which is Gay Pride Month, but you and I know Gay Pride 24-7, 365. That's right. So this is, it really is not an ending. It is sort of the beginning and a transition into it, our fifth season. I was going to say exactly because who we are going to be talking about today are going to be the hosts of the next season. Two of the most beautiful people that we know. Really amazing folks. We're very excited to introduce you to Kapalee Kalnick and Eric Harris, and they are storytellers in their own right. And also the co-workshop leaders of TMI Project's Black Trans Stories Matter program. Yeah, Black Trans Stories Matter, the brainchild of creator Miss Cece Suazo. Yes, Miss Cece Suazo, House of Labasia. And you can read more about this ballroom icon on our website. Season five will be hosted by Capely and Eric, and will feature stories from the first performance of Black Trans Stories Matter. Yes. Season five will drop in February of 2023, so stay tuned to meet Cece and the rest of the cast then. And in the meantime, we are so, so, so excited to conclude this season with next season's host, Eric and Capely, before we pass the mic to them. So first up is Eric, and I love Eric's story so much. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. Me too. He shares an emotional story with 
a big old splash of humor. Yeah. And it so beautifully illustrates that transformation from gender dysphoria into gender euphoria. Mm. It's celebratory. It's affirming. And we get to hear the experience of Eric as a youngster and how he truly sees himself and wants to be seen. I love that you use the word youngster. When I was a youngster. <laughs> I'm yeah. an old lesbian. Oh, that's right. Uh, Eric read his story on Zoom in 2021. And so in this instance, you'll have to use your imagination to hear the rest of the audience laughing along with you. Something that we learned to deal with over the course of the pandemic. So stick around to hear how sharing his story impacted him. And without further ado, here is Eric. I'm the first kid in my fifth grade class to grow tits, and lucky me, they're huge. I tried covering them up with my brother's old t-shirts, my UNC hoodie, but it's too late. Mama's already decided that we have to go to Dillard's over the weekend to go bra shopping. Gross. After an hour of pouting in the car, she basically has to drag me through the parking lot into the side of the mall that I never go to. It'll be okay. It's part of growing up. Well... If that's the case, I never want to grow up. It's only 10 a.m., but I can already tell it's going to be a bad day. The sticky sweet smell of orange Julius and Cinnabon is making me sick. I can see the Victoria's Secret coming up. My face gets hot thinking about those models from that fashion show I saw last week. But everything in there is so cute and pink and lacy with animal patterns. Maybe this will be all right. I don't really like pink, but I can get behind a little cheetah print. Cheetahs are cool, but mom keeps walking past the store. They don't have anything for big girls there. Then I see it. Fifty shades of beige and bad fluorescent lighting. This is Dillard's. This is hell. Hello, how can I help you? Do you do fittings here? After 15 uncomfortable minutes of lifting and stretching and cold metal on my skin, my mom buys me my first bra. It's light brown, satiny, and has an underwire to give me a little lift. She says she's proud of me for becoming a woman. I can tell she's excited. She always said she wanted a boy and a girl, and I know this is the mother-daughter bonding she's been imagining for my whole life. I don't say anything the whole way back. At 16 years old, I've come to accept my life of nude satin triple D cups and underboob sweat. Hey. Boys like big boobs, and I like boys, so maybe? But even fantasies of dinner dates and midnight flights with Drake aren't enough to make me happy. What I really want is to look good in a button-up and tie, to be comfortable running laps in gym class, to have other guys see me as one of them. I'm pretty sure that won't happen as long as I'm still shopping at Dillard's. So when I go to college, I get a binder. It's better than nothing, but really, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a broken bone. I still have these triple Ds, and somehow the underboob sweat is even worse. I can't live like this. I don't want to live at all. Now, it's 15 years later, but this time, I'm in the car with my fiancé, and I can't stop talking. Today is the day that everything changes. It's still dark, but the sun is starting to come up and bring another hot July morning with it. As we get closer, my heart beats harder and faster. We're in the West End part of Nashville, a place that I almost never go to. We're finally here. 
I give the receptionist my paperwork and she gives me a number. You can use the screen to keep track of which stage of surgery he's in. I almost throw up when I hear the word surgery. It sounds so scary. I'm really going to be unconscious and let a bunch of strangers look at me naked? What the fuck? Who thought of that? I'm briefly distracted by the faint smell of coffee and bacon. It's been nearly 24 hours since my last meal. Dr. Hickman said I only had to fast for the last 12 hours, but I was too nervous to eat at all yesterday. I didn't want to do anything that could mess this up for me, but now I can hear this, my stomach gurgling through my hoodie. Soon enough, it's my turn to go back. I kiss Megan goodbye and they wish me good luck. I follow the nurse down a never-ending hallway painted in an ugly, cute green. They make me take a pregnancy test, which is kind of ridiculous because it's been years, years, since I've done anything that caused pregnancy, but whatever. Now I'm naked, except for a paper-thin gown and neon yellow hospital socks. A parade of doctors and nurses come in and ask me the same three questions. What's your name? What's your birthday? Why are you here? Over and over and over again until I start to forget the answers. Then they wheel me into the operating room. It's bright, white, plain, not like me at all. I can hear the beeps on the heart monitor speeding up. All the people leaning over me are trying to comfort me, but how would you feel? I've been trying to hide my body all my life, and now I'm naked on the table like a Christmas ham. They're about to start the anesthesia. It smells like plastic. I wake up five hours later, 13 pounds lighter, and confused as hell. There's a dull pain blanketing my entire upper torso that is interrupted every few minutes by sharp pings of lightning shooting across my chest. It hurts a lot. I'm almost afraid to even take one shaky breath, but I'll never have to go bra shopping again. We caught up with Eric recently and here is what he had to say. So when we were doing the workshop and I was writing the story, it was coming up on my first anniversary of top surgery. I was planning a photo shoot being shirtless in public for the first time, gonna go to the beach. So that felt like my true story, the one story that I had to tell uh, in that moment. I'd never felt the sun on my chest before. Honestly, I'd never felt it on my stomach before either because I'd been so self-conscious about my entire body stemming from my chest that I'd never felt so confident before. And going out and having the support of my friends and my partner cheering me on, being the center of attention because I'm a Leo and I, I love that stuff. It was beautiful. It was, it was great. I thought about it a lot and like looking back, it definitely made a difference. Like the confidence that I talked about on being on the beach is something that I was able to transfer to my relationship with my parents, with my extended family, with people at work. I wasn't ashamed of being myself. My, my parents and I, we've always had don't ask, don't tell sort of situation with who I am, even though I'm growing a beard, my voice has changed. When I got top surgery, it became undeniable because if, if you heard my story, then you know <laughs> I had a very large chest. So that was a, a big part of, of how I think people perceived me. I hated that. So taking that away, just huge confidence boost. I was able to actually say out loud to my parents, I'm a dude, call me Eric. And they do. And in a, in a more fun note, I recently got a chest tattoo. Actually, it's a sun. 
I'm gonna get a full chest piece and I'm, I'm so excited to just show it off for the rest of my life. I'm super happy and I'd love to show as many people as possible. Thank you, Eric. Next up is the one and only Capely. As they put it, they were, quote, born a swirl of male and female energies. I can relate. We've both had our fair share of sir, ma'am, sirs in our lifetime. Capely's story is a testament to the freedom of the non-binary experience. Capely has so much insight to share about the power of storytelling. So remember to stick around after their story. Here's Capely. It's 2017, and I am living my best lesbian life in the California <laughs> Bay Area <laughs> and decide to go to a sex play party. These parties have been a great way to introduce myself to the queer community. I prefer them over bars and nightclubs. No one is piquing my interest until I see him. He's about my height and looks vaguely Asian. He reminds me of Mason, my best friend growing up, who I was in love with. She got made fun of for her bowl haircut, but she was tough, wore jeans, and got dirty and sweaty during recess. Yeah. <laughs> I was in love with her because she didn't mind doing my hair in the classroom, slipping her fingers through my greasy braids and blood butterfly barrettes. I wore to be more of a girl for my parents. Now, at the sex party, I'm drawn to this man, but I'm a little confused about why he's here because I thought this was a ladies only party. I approach. I find out his name is Eli, and I ask if he'd like to dance. When I get a good look, I see that he has scars across his chest. I freeze for a hot second. He's a trans man. We end up spending the entire night together. <laughs> it is overwhelming to the senses and very exciting. The next weekend, Eli invites me to his home. I accept his invitation. We get to know each other, and I ask him a lot of slightly inappropriate questions. <laughs> How long have you been trans? How did you know? When did you come out? Is your family cool with it? Your friends? Do you miss your other life? Has your life ever been threatened? You're going to get any more surgeries? Are you going to be on T? Forever? Eli answers them all and then calmly asks, is it possible you could be trans? No. <laughs> I say wide-eyed and a little too quickly. My brain is boiling. Am I insulted that he thought I could be trans? A little. Am I embarrassed? Yup. Did I just mess up my chances of having more delicious sex with him? Deep down inside, I think back to my childhood girl-boy days and wonder if he has picked up on something I can't quite put words to. Growing up, I'm considered a tomboy. 
I wear dungarees and button-down shirts and run around the schoolyard with the boys as best I can because they don't really want a girl hanging out with them. I'm tall for my age and one of the few Black students at the Upper East Side Public School. I'm often picked last for activities and in plays, I'm usually chosen for the part no one wants, the father. I think it's cool to play the dad. I think it's because I love my dad, but maybe it's because I get to feel like a man. I wonder if the other students realize that I'm a girl boy. Can they tell? I'm an only child and have many conversations with myself about this. Now, Capely, I'd say to myself, you know you're not like the other girls. I know, they're so annoying and clicky. <laughs> You'd rather play handball with the boys and wrestle. That's true. Why do the girls giggle so much and want to stab the boys with sporks? Who knows? But I hope you don't grow up to be like them. You know you'd rather be a boy. Yeah, I know. Nicole already has big boobs and that looks like the worst. Ugh, right? Fingers crossed. <sighs> no, tomboy doesn't even feel right. Who is Tom? <laughs> I still want to know. My parents never say anything outright about homosexuality or gender, but I sense disapproval and perhaps a slight disgust from fleeting facial expressions I catch when no one thinks I'm paying attention or when insulting jokes are made that no one thinks I will understand. I see and I understand and it silences me. Perhaps this is why I moved to California, 3,000 miles away from them. Eventually, I moved back to Brooklyn, in debt from moving eight times in seven months and living insecurely in the most overpriced housing region in the nation. Though, through all the moves, the one constant is my curiosity. One night, Curled in the safety of my warm couch, heart pounding, I Google transgender and uncover a whole world I never known about. Facebook groups for support, private chat rooms discussing medical procedures, people asking opinions about their new names, the trans sections on porn sites, websites for binders, plastic penises, pronoun jewelry, and lots and lots of anger, fear, pride, and advocacy. I'm not sure what to think, but the sense of searching for or uncovering your true self reminds me of what it felt like when I came out queer over a decade ago. For fun, I tried taping my chest flat. I don't think I have body dysmorphic disorder because I love myself the way I am. My pecs are athletically robust and I've never really owned or wore a bra. 
I stare in the mirror, perplexed. The smug smile sliding off my face. Dang, I look good. Maybe I don't need these anymore. All the new information and each new fresh revelation spark another identity question. Am I becoming or am I unlearning? Probably a mixture, and that makes sense. For years, I've heard people whisper, is that a man or a woman? And felt menacing stares as I sauntered by. I'm called sir while waiting in lines and questioned when in the ladies' room. My broad shoulders and long legs have mystified men who've threatened my life when just minutes prior were trying to ask me for my number. Now, in the midst of the gender revolution, society has caught up to my kid definition of non-binary and gender fluidity. The childhood wish to be a boy was born out of the pain of not being seen as androgynous or all genders. I know now I was born a swirl of male and female energies, a boy-girl, a girl-boy, a Victor Victoria. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> It's a relief to finally claim my lady man status. It's been with me all along. <laughs> we caught up with Kaybilly recently, and this is what they had to say. I was revealing myself to myself. All the things that I had been feeling, I didn't have words for, but then when I tried to find the words for them, I had the stories, I had the memories, the recollections. I don't wanna say it's empowering, because it's, it's more than empowering. You know, to find the genesis of who you are, isn't that why people go to therapy, go on vision quests, get into relationships? Isn't that why people, all the things, we daydream, trying to figure ourselves out. Sometimes we look to religion or whatever the thing is where we're trying to understand our spiritual existence in this human form. I felt like I had my genesis story of, oh my goodness, yeah, you never felt like a girl. You were always in between. Now you have the words and now you know how blessed you are and what a special creature you are and how amazing it is for you to be on this planet at this time, sharing your story and all the possibilities really opened up for me for what Capely can represent to humanity. Sharing my story feels like sharing everyone's story and, and really connected me to, yes, parts of myself, but then other people who have similar stories or similar discoveries. And we're all like lost in the soup of life, swimming around, trying to find these connections, finding my voice, through these words and stories, created that safe place where I could connect and share and really ground to who I am. Childhood trauma took away my words. Even as an adult, I'm trying to find the words to express myself. 
And I don't want to live with regrets because that sounds terrible. As long as I'm not hurting anybody, including myself, let me pull up my big girl boy pants and go for this. So that's what telling my story feels like, like I'm going for it. Like I'm putting my full self into my life and perhaps I'm not getting it right all the time, but just the fact that I'm trying and I'm putting myself out there, someone sees that, someone feels that, someone acknowledges that, someone peeks around the corner and snuggles up to that. It's going to change the vibration. And I think that's the genesis of liberation and freedom for us all, honestly. Almost a year later, I was able to continue building the community of our storytellers for our initial cohort of Black Trans Stories Matters. Some of the people are still my friends, still see what they're up to in the world, still support each other. Because I'm able to more clearly define myself, my personal work is more clearly defined. And it's not even like all of a sudden I began to do Black queer art. I've always done that. <laughs> but, um, but I'm able to talk about my work in a more clear, concise, defined way and really understand the change that I'm making or the change that I want to see. And that's leading to more advocacy that I personally am not someone who is an advocate and goes to all the marches and writes the letters and makes the phone calls. But connecting with more Black trans and BIPOC communities urges me to connect with people who are doing that type of work. So I can learn the language, so I can write those letters, so I do feel more confident about speaking up because there is still a shame. There still is, you know, fear and my heart goes pitter-patter, but not just being this this beacon of like, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm a Black trans queer masculine, trans masculine person, but also educating and having that language for younger people who are seeking and maybe are not able to take a 10-week workshop with TMI Project. So you can go in your family and have those conversations with your younger cousins or nieces and nephews, your nibblings. People just want support and just people just want to feel claimed and know that they matter and are loved. This is so, so, so awesome to talk about this experience and, and also just forecast into the future of what's possible because what's happening next like yes i'm doing more theatrical projects that are messy queer relationships i'm writing my own queer and trans love stories i'm very interested in reparations i'm very curious about how we're going to repair our world and liberate our minds and come to this balance there's a lot of imbalance in the world, hence the wars and the upheaval and all the terrible things. And if we just come to this homeostasis, homeostasis, <laughs> um, the evils in the world can be alleviated. So thank you for this opportunity. A very special thanks to Kaylee Eric and all of the storytellers from this season for sharing their pride stories with us. Thank you all. These were the stories I wish I had access to growing up. These are the stories I longed to hear, and I'm so thrilled we got to share this beautiful collection with the world. Do you have a tissue? Because um, I'm feeling a little sad 
that our time co-hosting oh, together is coming <laughs> to a close. But y'all are going to be in for a real treat with season five. Yes, stay tuned for the TMI Project podcast, Black Trans Stories Matter, coming to you in February of 2023. We did it, bitch. We did it, Joe. We fucking did it. I'm Blake the Gay. And I'm Julie the Lesbian. TMI Project is available to offer true storytelling workshops and performances for your school or workplace. This episode of season four of the TMI Project podcast, Pride Stories, was produced in partnership with Radio Kingston. It was edited and produced by Eva Tenuto and mixed by Stevie Manns. Our theme song is Secrets by Edison Woods. Our operations and programs manager is you, Blake File. That's right. And our marketing and digital coordinator is Laura Marie Ruoco. Our administrative assistant is Elijah Jackson. Our graphic designer is Lauren Gill. And our workshop leaders are Perla Ayora, Capely Kalnick, Haley Downs, Rain Grayson, Ray Lipkin, Dara Lurie, Micah, Eva Tenuto, you, Julie Novak, and me, Blake File. To learn more, support our work, and find a special writing prompt so you can start telling your own pride story, visit tmiproject.org forward slash podcast. Bye. Bye.